This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, the Villa podcast that's so far ahead of the curve that Jack Grealish is now practising free kicks after we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it might be an idea for him to take them. I'm David Michael, the host and also the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, joining me to discuss the latest victory. Apparently there's been 11 already this season. Mr Chris Budd, Hello. welcome. Hello. Mr Phil Shaw. Hello. And last but not least, because Villa have won and he's a bit of a glory hunter mr dan rogers from the villaunderground.com welcome back hello my villa chums now i i do take umbrage with that comment having <laughs> sat through 30 years <laughs> from the lower halt 10 years of our godforsaken blogs six years of this podcast take it back david michael i think it's approaching five years on the podcast don't don't say six just yet you'll, you'll give me a heart attack six years it's of editing to be home it's good to be home uh, Home is where the heart is, and uh, did you feel all warm inside this weekend? What did Smith say about, uh, he said it was the polar opposite of how he felt uh, after the disappointment of Wednesday. I think uh, this is the new villa now, it's uh, it's all about polar opposites. It's win, lose, win, lose. Draws are a rarity, it's, it's just the extremes. I prefer it to lose, 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 which was hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is uh, the progress that we're on at the or moment. The cliche, where it was draw, 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 lose. There's always a theme. There's always a theme with Villa. Coming up in the show, we uh, dissect what happened against the Gunners uh, in their latest defeat at the hands of uh, the mighty Villa. It's the fourth on the trot, uh, if you include the pre-season friendly. And I only include the pre-season friendly to be kind to them because that's the only one of the last four games they've actually scored in. So, uh, devastating. We've got them under the thumb now. Bless them, these these little plucky mid-table teams, eh? Exactly. (laughs) As well as uh, discussing that, we look at the latest Villa news. In the three points, we look at the Chesterfield COVID idiots women's revolution in refereeing and also uh, probably the uh, it's the Guinness Book of Records in terms of football journeymen and rounding up the show and this one certainly won't take long in underrated or overrated it's Mr. Philip Sendros tenuous 
Arsenal link. We could have gone with Merson. We could have gone with Keown. Richardson. Perez. Richardson. But we thought we'd go... Uh, everybody listens to the show wants to know what's happening with uh, Philip Sendros. Lesser podcasts would take the easier easier road, wouldn't they? Everybody everybody knows what Merson's <laughs> doing. That's easy. Everybody knows what Keown's doing. Nobody knows what Sendros is doing. Not even him. Anyway, let's get into uh, the Villa news. Jack Grealish nominated f- for January Player of the Month. I didn't quite understand this when uh, when I saw it because I thought well this is a month that we've had 10 days isolation from covid villa haven't played for at least half of the the month so how's grealish wangled that presidential media team let's keep going <laughs> <laughs> make, make Villa great again. It's, it's, it's all about the engagement. Yep. It is, isn't it? Impressive. Maybe impressive just someone stuff. whoever makes these awards up now. I mean, we've been a long, long time in lockdown. People, people it was a Friday. They just, they just put Grealish's name in. I'm not knocking him, but it hasn't, hasn't actually been our greatest month, has it? Mm. Considering it was brilliant well, in December. Bit... Of any of the other months you could have yeah, given it was... him it, it's like, <laughs> why this one particularly? <laughs> yeah, hopefully he wins because that would be a, a bit of a bit of a laugh. Also, uh, Villa Park has now opened as a. I think we mentioned it in the last show as a COVID centre. But Chris Bird, because Aston Villa podcasts are classed as uh, key essential workers, went down to check it out. You saw the Chesterfield team while he was there, I think. I <laughs> <laughs> fived on the, the way Chesterfield out. team. <laughs> they were in the queue as well. Bit of a farce, this. And I thought it was like only for 80-year-olds, 70-year-olds. Uh, apparently, if you're on a Villa podcast, you can get a jab as well. But no, I uh, I took my mother down. It was a very well-oiled machine, to be fair. Yeah, sorry, we're, we're joking uh, about key workers, uh, Villa podcasts. Totally unnecessary, yeah, Villa podcasts. <laughs> well, there's uh, most of them anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, on loan, uh, Connor Hurahan, Hurahan. Oh, I thought we said we never had to mention his name again since we can't pronounce it. Connor uh, has managed. Connor has managed to bag another goal. I think I joked on Match Club. I think I would have scored that. Considered he was, uh, it was like the sound of music running through the the fields. He had so much time to uh, eye up his shot there. But that you forget about that in the differences between the Championship and the Premier League there. But I mm. thought his goal against uh, Norwich was a was a case in point. But it's good to see him uh, doing well. It's kind of irrelevant to Villa now, really, because I don't think he's... Uh, I think the way that plays out, if he has a great, great uh, end of season with Swansea, that just allows... They'll be desperate to get him. And, and it will be a bit of a Ming situation where a good spell at your loan club drives your price up. So hopefully that's, that's what Perslow's rubbing his hands at, hopefully. He's watching them like stocks going up and down. Just, yep, Connor, keep going, yep. Yeah. To the moon. If you keep scoring a goal a game, then your stock's going to go up. Once the Ramsey effect happens, uh, you know you're not coming back. Pray pray for Barkley. Uh, Villa women, impressive win, considering they're under the cosh against Spurs most of the time, and Spurs were a good few places uh, above them. Mana Inabuchi. My new favourite player. Phil's new favourite player. She has taken over from Vasilev. <laughs> Uh, scored a it was like a double swerve First it was a bit like Roberto season, Carlos it swerved all over the place yeah she, uh, yeah. I'm waiting for that t-shirt of hers to come across the iron curtain here did I get it with a significant <laughs> tariff applied to it Phil <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean all, all you've got to do in that league is finish above uh, Bristol City so uh, Villa have actually moved up a few spots actually so yeah. uh, they should be alright this season right moving on to uh, the three points uh, we alluded to uh, the first one uh, I don't know if this is even a story. Uh, Chesterfield, uh, three players, members of staff, actually three players and three members of staff, 
managed to get a vaccination queue, angry people ringing up the local uh, NHS, complaining uh, that they're vaccinating healthy footballers in their 20s. Queue outrage. But is there really a story here? Because of the way, Dan, because of the way they have to uh, store the old, is it Pfizer? Yeah, they're on the Pfizer one. The the Pfizer one, I think, has to be used within within three days of it being thawed so so there's a waiting list isn't there because i've heard of people uh, yeah. get jabs that let's say are, are not on the official list but they're like, deemed vulnerable yeah absolutely or, i mean uh, people gps will be taking a view that they want to that they'll know the vulnerable people in commas who, who they're seeing and they'll be you know any any vo- uh, vaccine they've got to use that day they'll be drawing down upon it and and they'll be you know the law there's a reality as well certain people won't be showing for vaccines for whatever reason and certain people won't be able to mm-hmm. get to them so rather than they go in the bin um, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure in amongst those people, yeah, there are more needier people in the community. But at that moment, that's a number of a few more yeah. people who are vaccinated in, in the UK, which Mondo. is a good thing. Uh, point number two, this uh, concerns they've drawn up the list for the officials uh, for the uh, FIFA Club Championships, to give it its name, which takes place in Qatar. Was it in Qatar last time? Is it always in Qatar nowadays? Or is this, they've just had it at Qatar just to uh, try to uh, bed in the organisation for the forthcoming World Cup? I thought they used to do it in Japan, didn't they? It's kind of moved around. I, I thought it just moved. Mm. Isn't this the Sepp Blatter rule? Doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> don't, don't things appear in places? No, no, no. Hang on. I'm into slander and libel territory. I'll stop talking. But uh, Marina de Amida, an Argentina referee, has been selected uh, along with her a uh, couple of Brazilians as well to make up the first well first women to form uh, part of a refereeing team. So she's one of three female refs set to uh, make history in Qatar. Probably a good place to. Mm-hmm do it actually in Qatar just to uh, prove a point there Uh, I mean at this stage of the game uh, it's a good time to get in to break down boundaries in refereeing because the standard is probably at its lowest or in terms of the public eye is in its lowest so uh, it's it's probably a good time to uh, get into it I think she started in sports journalism why is it taking so long this is a sixth FIFA tournament but they've all been women's uh, tournaments but uh, I think they're a bit more, more further up the pecking order in South America they've evolved a bit quicker than they perhaps have in the uh, the English game I, I like when she said um, she doesn't make a distinction between men and women there's just one set of rules so maybe she maybe she get it over here to <laughs> take over from PGMOL it'd be, be fine couldn't, couldn't be any worse well maybe she'll get an education that there's many sets of rules uh, <laughs> in the Premier League and interpretations and they change every every week as well Point number three, Guinness Book of Records world record holder Sebastian El Loco Ebru has signed for his 30th club. Is that the record? The 30th club, aged 44. That's incredible. I love his nickname, El Loco. Mm, I love He's been that. capped 70 times by Uruguay and was part of the team that won the Copa America back in 2011. Uh, allegedly scored... 349 goals in 717 games but you know he is the ultimate uh, journeyman but when you Mm. say journeyman in the context of English football you're thinking of somebody who's played for Middlesbrough Doncaster Rovers but this guy's played at the top level uh, across the South American leagues and what's the old penalty where you chip it down the middle Penenka the Penenka on YouTube there's a uh, compilation of El Loco's Penenka penalties he does them all the time I think there's one uh, YouTube compilation of about 10 of them like full stadiums and one of them the commentator 
you know, obviously they're, they're crazy over there in terms of the commentary. But when he scores, it's just El Loco. <laughs> Doesn't they don't bother with his uh, real name? Not, not that I would bring into question the integrity of the South American leagues, but you would think <laughs> after three hundred and forty-nine Penenka goals. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't possibly for one moment want to suggest. <laughs> this is where I get visited the in the night. The goalkeepers' union. <laughs> he's a he's a real he's a real El Loco, of course. None of those Bielsa yeah. nonsense. Don't you, why are you trying to trigger me, Phil? I've only been here but a few minutes, and you mentioned Bielsa. I mean, you can probably get away with two Penenkas, but <laughs> well, like York he did. does it all the time. Don't don't they watch him? It's twenty seven years. Yeah, twenty seven years. Anything. I mean, he's been at a same. Maybe that's that's why he has to change club all the time. You could be damn sure if he signed for the Villa and tried to do that, he would just up it here. He just kick the penalty spot and it would roll forward. It's forward, like the scene from Blackadder, isn't it? When they go, uh, so what's the, what's the plan? We're going to do exactly the same as we've done before because that's the genius. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never expect us to do the same thing every time because <laughs> these South these South American goalkeepers they're, they're real dumb asses. <laughs> 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 El Joko. Oh, see, dear. David, I insist that remains in so that Chris is judged by all who listen. For that. El <laughs> Joke. That's a new t shirt. Present, present Villa goalkeeper is accepted, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, can you imagine if he. he practicing penalties and he right lads uh, you each have five five each and we'll decide who takes them for Villa who's our first penalty taker and he does five penenkas and they all go in <laughs> against Martina because he the, the only weakness of a very good South American goalkeeper is just that gene that they always dive left or right they can never stand still for a penenka Jesse Lingard worked that out didn't they yeah. Yeah, it's just ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. a dissenter ooh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we move on uh before we move on actually a big thank you very much to the uh, my old man said patrons for supporting the show thanks to jb joel daniel noll for joining in the last few days also to lawrence bird for upgrading and uh also to matthew minshell for joining us uh, annually you get uh two months for free 15 percent off if you uh sub for the year when you become a my own man said patron you get access to our match day gathering match club and also you get uh, as well as all the uh, extra perks you get uh, an extra my own man said exclusive patron podcast channel featuring a series of new shows that we uh, roll out uh, a couple more which you will receive this week all right match reaction the arsenal First double over the Arsenal since Big Fat Ron's uh, 92-93 campaign. It's been a while. Yeah, you're not wrong. As I said at the top <laughs> of the show, fourth win, including that pre-season friendly, but let's stick to the uh, the three consecutive wins. Haven't conceded a goal against them. This was probably the their best performance against mm. us in those uh, games I would I would say let's start from the uh, the top the team sheet uh, the only thing that really was a, an eye opener was uh, Nakamba coming in for Louise uh, El Ghazi and Truro have been swapping and uh, I don't think El Ghazi had a chance after his last performance against West Ham in the first half mm. This is like the end of uh, the six games in 18 days so it's almost like Villa and Dean Smith were puff- puffing out their cheeks with that period over and done dusted now. The win gave us the same points tally as we achieved 
all season last season in only 21 games. So I think that was the uh, the overlining headline, wasn't it? Uh, a needed performance and victory after that West Ham debacle. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about context of this season when we lost against West Ham, saying, well, you know, look at last season, you know, we've approved on last season. But, you know, we uh, last season, I mean, I was joking in Match Club, uh, last season... Burnley never beat us last season. We got four points out of Burnley last season. Last season, West Ham never beat us either. They've done the double over us this season. Neither did Brighton. Yeah, no. So uh, the upshot is we have to judge ourselves on what we've got and how we've been doing this season. And uh, I think we're part of the cause uh, at the moment. Well, Smith had said the same, hadn't he, before the game, as kind of as we'd said all week, that you know context is all very good and well. And, and in the grand scheme of things, yes, the, the, the curve is an upward one. And it's very positive, but you reassess as you go. And Perslow said the same that, you know, at the halfway point in the season, you, when you're reassessing how you've done, you've set the bar high and you want to maintain that. You're going to dip a little bit below it, but no, you don't want to drop a lot, a long way below it. And the West Ham game was, you know, and the second half of uh, of the Burnley game, they were that was a big dip in performance level. Yeah. And, and from those two results, you're thinking, yeah, this is mid-table. Coming back to this game, you win this and you're like, right, set up again. We can actually uh, do a little a, a little bit better than uh, just mid-table and, and settling for mid-table. It's, it's game on still. And it was game on pretty quickly. Uh, Matt Ryan making his debut for Arsenal. Uh, I think it was only four goalkeepers making their Premier League debuts of conceding in the first two minutes. It's not a stat he'll be very proud of, is it? So uh, a perfect <laughs> start after the uh, the wobble against West Ham. Obviously, the threat of the firing squad and the five-year loan of the Blues um, <laughs> triggered something in Ollie Watkins and he put in an absolutely, I would say, it was a faultless performance. And that's people, I was, it may have been tongue-in-cheek when I was saying that he was the one that was going to pick on, on the two defeats, but I think so much goes through Ollie Watkins that the whole result of a Villa game sometimes hinges on his decision-making. It's never on his hard work or his ability, it's like when he makes the decisions and against Arsenal, I think every decision he made was the right one. He was unlucky to not get better reward for the effort and you know good choices that he made in the day. Yeah, I think watching the game, uh, I posed the question because I was, I was actually thinking about it. Like, if you were to say which was the most pivotal signing out of Martinez and Watkins, who would it be? Because I think Martinez passes all tests as the best keeper we've had for a long 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 mm, time mm. 20 and years he does, and he's almost like the uh, he's almost like the wax seal on the on the defense being you know a good solid defense but at the same time as Phil just alluded to Watkins is so pivotal to what we can actually do that uh, it's it's a tough call in terms of Martinez or Watkins because if Martinez gets injured, you put Heaton in and, and and you're you know you're not bad. Watkins gets injured and Villa have you know they've walked the tightrope on this one. Watkins gets injured and you know what are we doing? Well, it completely changes the dynamic of how you have to play. You know, you know Kenny Davis is an outlet and he can hold the ball up and he's a willing runner, but he's not going to stretch teams in the way that Watkins does. And you don't fancy him as like a give him one chance and he'll take it. Whereas you know Watkins took his chance clinically in the first half obviously a bit of a lucky deflection but he deserved a bit of luck and then he had you know the, the couple of chances in the second half you know he is a genuine outlet and he's a he's a threat to teams he gives us that cutting edge that is hard to defend against yeah that's that's the big stretches thing. the opposition i think the, the thing that 
the more the more you watch Watkins game on game as well, you forget how young he is still, and that he is still learning. Um, and that yeah. actually, I'm, I'm coming to think of him more as a bit of a flair player as well. That he he does have the ability in terms of his movement and just to find that little bit of space. And the, the one that that rolled agonisingly uh, past the far post in the second half. Uh, you know, we were just saying a bit about how it's been so long since we've had a top quality uh, goalkeeper. I mean, Martinez is a, is a bit older and though he hasn't had as much first-team experience, is is an experienced goalkeeper. I am intrigued to see that with the right support, and I do agree he needs needs, need backup in the squad, that he he looks a real predatory striker and he finds himself in space, his ability to hold up the ball and connect the play. I think his connection... To get a shot away as well. Yeah, get a shot away. I think when you complement him with players like Traore, who are really, I think, growing into be players who, who, you know, they've they've got a place in the squad. These are players we didn't have last season. And to to sort of link into your earlier point about where you can't make excuses for poor, poor performances, loss of form, bad tactical decisions... But I think if we can find, a, you know, I'm loath to say plan A and a plan B, but at least a way that we could change the game if it's not going away. Like at West Ham where you can mix it up without actually looking at the bench. Wesley, do it. if he ever comes mm, back, would mm. would be that uh, plan, uh, I'm trying to think of another word. <laughs> Alternative. <for B>. <laughs> <laughs> Alternative option because A, you can put him alongside Watkins if you're chasing the game or you can put him instead of Watkins or you could put Watkins out wide and Wesley down the middle. Mm. But we are basing it not only on the Wesley that we saw, but Wesley improving on what we saw. Yeah. And of yeah. course, he's coming back from such a big injury and, and he's been out over a year now that there's no guarantees with that. But saying that, if there is no guarantees, then surely Villa would have moved in the transfer market in the summer, never mind uh, the window just gone, to uh, have backup for Watkins. So how chancy have they been is uh, what I'm kind of thinking. Or, or are they fully confident that Wesley's coming back? But they, they would have thought he would have come back in January, I thought. I think if, if they were that desperate, they would have gone out and you know, if they had £15 million to spend on Sanson, they'd have gone and tried to get a backup striker, wouldn't they? Yeah. I do wonder with the Wesley thing is what uh, there's a couple of suspicions, especially with the news that's broken the last few days about that he's essentially nowhere near returning to to football. Is that there was a lot of a lot of leaks and a lot of discussion pre Christmas that he was on this road. Oh, he was for doing interviews in and everything, so it, it looked like they were yeah. they were mm-hmm. kind of grooming his return, weren't yeah. they? Um, Building up to my it. suspicion is is two things. It's, it's clearly, I mean, and very sadly for him as a professional. It's not going as well as they'd hoped, especially in terms of match fitness, because I think Smith's comments were that he's not even doing the kind of ball work that you'd, you'd be expecting or hoping. Uh, sorry, he was on the pitch in December. I mean, there was, we were mm. watching videos of that in December. So he's, you know, he's it's almost like two months actually out and about on Bodymore. But something's clearly amiss is, is my point, I guess. And, and the second thing I would say is that where does, where does getting a replacement, albeit temporary, sit in the club's grand plan? Because I think if you look at last summer's and even... Uh, the more recent recruitment, it's it's a it's a case of continuous improvement. We we don't seem to be happy, and I agree with this approach, by the way, of, of settling for something that doesn't improve us. Um, and it's obviously yeah. not easy to go into the transfer market and say, right, we need a an alternative to Ollie Watkins, especially when you look at some of the attributes of Watkins brings. Having seen so much of him as we have uh, as much of him we have now, I'm surprised we didn't come under more, more competition for him. But maybe that was down to price as well. I mean, we broke a record to get him in, so yeah. that would suggest there was a, a bit of initial competition at least. If he does pick up an injury, then we have got problems. So he's that vital, I think, at the moment because there is no, uh, there's no backup, and we would be. I mean, last season we were playing without a striker mm-hmm, for a few mm-hmm, games. Mm-hmm. 
And I think potentially they would be tempted to do that rather than invest invest our hopes in Davis. They'd probably, I don't know, put Traore there or yeah. you know just play like Manchester City do. Well, we can't go back to a, pos- a position where we were playing El Ghazi up front. That was um, diffi- a difficult watch. Yeah, uh, that was a difficult couple of weeks, <laughs> wasn't it? I, I mean, but bringing it back to the game specifically, I, I thought it was interesting considering that was perhaps Arsenal's best game or performance against us in you know the last three or four. I, I wasn't wowed. I, I you know they had their moments where I think with with a bit more composure, you know they they were dangerous inverted commas. But again, I, I thought we were dangerous as well. Yeah, um, Arteta said as much, didn't he, in his in his post match? They had the bulk of the possession, but ultimately Villa had eight sh- shots mm. on target. They only had three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if we base it on possession, and this has always been the floor in this, Paul, Paul Lambert is a is a world class manager. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but I, that was only after he went to Dortmund. Hey, let the, uh, he went. To, <laughs> Went to Dortmund for a week to check out their training, and he came back, and we became this possession-based team <laughs> that, that that had like eighty percent of the possession, but never got over the halfway line. Eighty percent possession, the goalkeeper that. picking it out of our net. Uh, I, I just, I mean, Arteta's Arteta's post-match comments were were bizarre, really, and it, and it, it it's it's the one-eyed nature, I think, of, of certain managers that. that he saw a completely different game to, to what I saw, and you know we we weren't we weren't world class, we weren't world beaters. I thought we were really effective at what we needed to do, and and I think he made a comment. It was something about that Villa didn't earn any of their chances. That they, that Arsenal basically put it on a little purple cushion for us to win the game, and I thought it was a very hard working and gritty performance. You know, Mings Mings was you incredible. Know, as many people have said, absolutely solid. You know, Martinez stepped up the work ethic of uh, of some of the play, some of the Villa players um, to, to grind it out at times. But actually, there was some very, very high quality football, and I didn't see that in Arsenal. I, I saw some good moves, I saw some good good passages of play, but I, I don't look at Ar- no, I didn't they, look at they, Arsenal they team and feel lot, in any way threatened like some of the top teams in the division. Th- yeah, as, as I was saying, three chances, and one of those was a free kick yeah. as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not as if Martinez M- Martinez had a good game, but that was mainly uh, claiming things and coming out rather than, uh, you know, being. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Peppered. I always think it's a good it's a good sign when teams are, an, well, an entire fan base are clinging to a singular moment that uh, the, the cons are challenge <laughs> where they, they 
perceived that Saka was through on goal and was fouled. I think that when 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 you're pinning everything upon that, I think it says a lot about where a, where an opposition well, team is. Let's talk is about at, that incident you know, because Saka actually uh, he makes a connection mm. with Konza. Pulls his shirt first, and yeah. kicks him. Yeah. I think Smith, as Smith says, uh, you know, what, what do you mean Konza getting mm, sent mm. off? Sent off for uh, what? Fouling himself <laughs> or, uh, you know, he, he can it's, work it out. And, you know, when I saw it, I was like, that's not even a free kick. Red card, it's not even a yellow card, what they're talking no, about. Let's just, let's just play on. Yeah, it just looks clumsy from both their part. Oh, Konza gets caught on the run a little bit, but d- doesn't foul the Arsenal player whatsoever. And it's been a bit of a strange one watching it over 24 hours since the game. Of how the punditry angle is the one from the like the upper gantry at Villa Park. And you think, oh, you know, focusing on that the Konza was, was the last man. Well, yeah, he was, but he wasn't, he didn't foul him. That's one of those in- instances there where the correct decision was to just play on. Yeah. Because it, it, was, it was what's called a tangle. The two of them ran, ran into each other. And, and I wouldn't say like Saka overly fouled him either. It was just like in stride, he kicked him. So mm. I would have just, you know, let it play on. And for the, immediately for the sort of the narrative to come out of the press is like, quick, we'll have to, f- we'll have to find something to pacify the Arsenal fans who mm. are going mental. So they've that, and then they have the Martinez coming together with Lacazette as well, which, I mean, Match Today's own highlights program didn't even mention it. And no. they had to just bring it up and the talk afterwards. Because wasn't Lacazette on an offside position anyway? I don't, I think, I just saw a picture of that and I've, and as Martin, because Lacazette said something on social media, and Martinez replied to him. He said, "You pushed me first, mate." Mm. And he was on, in an offside position anyway. So uh, I don't see why you would, uh, you know, build that hill to die on if you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, the only comment that I thought was fair from Arteta after the game was when he said that while Arsenal were the better team in the middle third, in both penalty areas, Villa were better. We were much better mm. defensively than Arsenal because yeah. every time we got in their third, you thought we can hurt them here. You know, you had the you know uh, Traore yeah. had a big chance, didn't you? That you probably should have buried. Jack had a really good effort. The keeper made a good mm. save. Mm. Watkins had a couple with it. You know, their keeper had a really good game. And then every time they got into our penalty area, for all their sort of huff and puff and standard Arsenal down the years of just completely overplaying, it wasn't like they were peppering the goal. I mean, the best save Martinez had to make was a you know 30, 35 yard free kick, which looked very spectacular. He tips over the bar and deals with well, but they weren't. You know, it was it was lots of blocks, lots of sort of backs to the wall defending but for long periods I thought we held them at arm's length you know the, the back four in general yet again had a good game both full backs were great I thought Trezeguet when he came on doubled up with cash well on, uh, on Pepe which I think he needed that as they were coming a lot more down the left hand side I thought Grealish had a much more sort of a more balanced pragmatic game actually he wasn't at his sort of free-flowing entertaining best but he just slotted in and gave target support on the other side and then Nakamba you know, who a few people I'm sure raised their eyebrows at in the selection, thoroughly justified his position because it wasn't a game where we were going to be massively expansive and he just sat in front of the back four, disrupted Arsenal mm-hmm. and just gave the ball simply. did a very simple job well and let the likes of Grealish and Traore and Watkins go up with their end and hurt them. And McGinn, of course, who I actually thought was looked more like the John McGinn who we, you know, everyone likes. You know, he's had a lot more energy in the middle of the park. Especially in the first half, he was getting around the midfield uh, like we what we were complaining about that didn't happen in the West Ham game. Yeah. You finally perhaps got some competition in those, you know, the, the midfield at West Ham was was n- not enjoyable at all, really. No. But, you know, it, I'm sure we're going to mention sort of the indifferent form of, of Barkley, really, who's a player who you know has got talent in absolute abundance, but doesn't seem to be able to channel it 
nearly consistently enough. And arguably, McGinn falls into that category of he's he's struggled maybe to have that consistent impact, not just across you know in terms of form over a period of games, but also in game. You know, he'll have he'll have bursts in game where you think bloody hell, we've you know John McGinn really is that player we saw in the championship before his his injury and is making that step up. Um, but it, it, I don't think it's unhealthy to have competition. And different types of players as well in, in midfield mm-hmm. because a Burnley is very, very different to an Arsenal, which which makes the defeat of Burnley all the more frustrating because I think we have the midfield to beat them. Our midfield has struggled against, uh, let's say, more dynamic, energy-based midfields like uh, Southampton a couple of times, Burnley mm-hmm. in that second half, Leeds, West Ham and Barkley. When you look at the stats, uh, I think when, without him... We'd uh, lost two in nine games, and with him, we'd lost six. I think it was in 11 games, but that includes uh, the Brighton game, which he only played the first four minutes of. So you can see that, I mean, you know, obviously other things factor into it, the strength of opponents, etc., etc. But uh, he's not playing a number eight. He's not tracking back. He's not, you know, once the other team break, then he'll stay up front because he's essentially the out ball to build with uh, Watkins. So the one argument is, is he a little bit of a luxury player in that sense. Are we still not punching at that weight where we can have somebody of him, you know, just uh, in an extent, you know, extensively a uh, a number 10 position? Do we need somebody in midfield who also has to uh, help out? I think they all do. The defensive I, I mean, there was one moment, mm. wasn't there, where uh, I can't remember who it was who burst through for Arsenal and Watkins tracked him all the way from about their penalty area to our one, put the tackle in and got the ball mm. back. You know, Barkley's tackling stats I would imagine are pretty woeful even compared to the likes yeah, of Watkins and, and that, that's because it's not his game is it yeah that's what I'm saying uh, I mean one thing in uh, Barkley's defence is that he's still coming back from two months off and yeah, he uh, still looks off the pace to be fair as I've said before you know when when players start a season the rule of thumb is they need five or six games to get up to speed so he's you know he's still one or two games away from having the actual match sharpness but also uh, you know as it's been well documented uh, when he got back from injury uh, when he was ready to train everybody else had 10 days in isolation and nobody was training at Bodymore Heath so that's a bit of a problem for him to uh, hit the ground running as well so hopefully after this full week's training we might see a better version of Barkley in the in the rest of this month. You would think so, and it'd be interesting to see if if when and how they try and integrate Sanson into the group. Now he'll have had a full week, you know, of training, another you know another period of time around the squad just to settle, and, and whether or not he'll you know he'll be competing because they look like they're potentially similar-ish players. With Sanson, I mean, people were saying, "Oh, you know, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Why you know why didn't he come on?" While while uh, I, I would say he's match fit, it's just that he's not. Tactically, astute. Well, yeah. He hasn't been with the, he's not, the team he's long not enough. Villa to match fit, is he? He's not. He's not setting our patterns of play, especially in a game like that where it's def- defensively you've got to be switched on from the moment you come on. Yeah, you've got to be used to the system. Mm-hmm. Probably why Ramsey came on because you you saw how you know he had to hit the ground running when he came on for those yeah. last twenty minutes, and you know pace and he showed that he's a he's a very good option off the bench. There, he's right up to speed with the game. He's you know hundred mile an hour as soon as he comes onto the pitch. Yeah. Same as Trezeguet, to be fair. Barkley was not happy when he uh, when he came off with Ramsey. And it did remind me of when Hurahan went off uh, against West Brom and Ramsey came on. Was that in the championship? I think it was. Yeah. It? At Villa Park. What a bad day that was, by the way. It's like if you're, uh, if you're at work and you go in the canteen at lunchtime 
and you see Ramsey walk in, you know somebody's getting sacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh shit, somebody's lost their job. So when he came on for Barkley, it was like, oh, Barkley, it looks like you're not signing full-time, mate. Well, that's an interesting point because I've been, I've been thinking about this, that, that these are a quite uh, these be quite an important few months for and weeks and months for Barkley because linking it into the point around how do you, how do you integrate probably a luxury player into the, into the team or a player who's got certain attributes you know the attacking element to the detriment of any any tracking back and defending. Oh, Smith is probably scratching his head and probably Terry with it. Do, do you integrate Barkley now to the detriment of who you might have brought in or who you see being in the in the medium term squad, if you like, or do you take advantage of Barkley's strengths because potentially we do now have someone on the bench who, you know, if he's a you know he's he's obviously been bought to 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 play. You know, I can see the debate already on Twitter. Is is Barkley worth the twenty five million question mark punt? You know, the but also the in the in the short term, you are paying substantial wages, yeah. so you yeah, want to yeah, play yeah, him. Yeah. And and you know, let's you know, everybody was uh, raving about him, including ourselves, in terms of his terms of his impact at the start of the season and where he potentially takes Villa because he is a he is a level of player which not everybody has. He's an England international. I mean, you can see the qualities he has. But you get a better version of Grealish as well when he plays, and they're on the front foot. I think he'll be aware of it though. You know, he's not one of these players who'll be you know getting subbed off. Because he thinks I've had a great game there, he'll know he's not at the level he wants to be at as well. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, you got to cut him some slack. And also, I think um, the way he wants to play, you know, he wants to put his foot on the ball and try and run a game. Which the last, certainly since the sort of the turn of the year, really, other than maybe the Newcastle game, we, we haven't been running games. We've been sort of you now the first half at Burnley, I think, was more like how he wants to play. Arsenal, you know, we had less of the ball. We had less of the ball against West Ham, uh, or certainly in, in effective areas where you can get the best out of him. And I think that's. An important thing, you know, you saw when he put in his best performances against, you know, at Liverpool or at Arsenal and those sorts of games. It's those games suited him. You know, we had a lot of the ball in areas where he could hurt teams. You saw little flashes against Arsenal with you know, some of the interplay. I think it was for the Traore chance, if I remember rightly. He's still got the great touches, but you're looking for consistency through 90 minutes from him. Yeah, I mean, people are talking about the, the, the excuses they were saying for Burnley and also West Ham never came up when we uh, we got the three points against Southampton and Arsenal. No. It's, oh, fatigue, fatigue, COVID, fatigue, fatigue. Now Smith poo-pooed that, didn't he? Smith has repeatedly said, in terms of like running and all those, all the metrics and the levels, they're all up there. There's no, there's no problem. So fatigue is a big myth that just gets parroted around on social media. There's other factors like the opposition are better. The opposition workers out. The opposition have actually got a plan to deal with Grealish, you know, a la West Ham. The opposition take their chances. Or put simply, you were just just shit on the day. Yeah. The plan was wrong. <laughs> There's, I mean, also, you know, playing that that amount of games, it's hard to mentally be up for every game in a short period. I mean, it's easier to get up for Arsenal at home than it is for West Ham, for example. And West Ham probably come with a bit more bite in their in their teeth, and they're also a bit more of a physical side, which we kind of struggle against because it's hungry, a different yeah. challenge. Again, after that West Ham game, we thought, well, actually, I don't mind playing Arsenal after that. I think the win it just it just sort of calms everyone down a little bit, doesn't it? Or it certainly feels that way. I you think can it, see keep, it. it it keeps the season alive. Is yeah. what I'm uh, especially with a few of the other results that that sort of we're not looking at the results going for us. We're not at that point in the season yet, but it's 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 a big cluster of teams, isn't it? You're sort of seeing there's maybe five or six teams who are anything from about fifth down to tenth, or even well fifth to ninth, because we've got a little bit of a gap now with games in hand over Arsenal. But who can who are all going to probably be interchanging each other? And it's good to see that we're we're going to have to play. Our two games in hand are Everton and Spurs, who were right in and amongst us. We've learned a lot over the last, I mean, it's a cluster of, what, six games in 
however you know real short period of time in you know it's long i think it was uh emmy martinez's uh post-match interview which which made that point and not in the context of fatigue if you like but I think very much in that sense of having to be mentally up for these games and I think he even mentioned like perhaps even a lack of respect which I thought was an interesting one mm-hmm. for West Ham and um, we've, we've learned a lot about individual players we've learned a lot about you know I mentioned earlier how players like McGinn for me affect phases of the game rather than all of it I, I think that you look I increasingly look at a player like Traore and the the move that sticks in my mind, not so much the setting up the goal for Watkins, but that absolutely amazing turn that he did uh, also in the first half where you think, wow, that's a player who can unlock things and we've seen that and he's got a goal in him too. Um, and I think coupled with, if you can really get Barkley firing, Grealish seems to be, you know, Grealish has the ability to turn the game in in, in moments as, as we know. And you also know that you've got the players, you know, look at a player like Louise over this period, you know, he's um, perhaps not in the, in the hottest form that he has been for the better part of the season, but you know you've got a top, top quality midfielder there. Combined with one of the best best defences in the division, you know that's that's where I think some of the frustration comes from for some fans that they look at some of the the dropped points now, and it does become a matter of what yeah. if or what would what could have been rather. Um, you can't dwell on that. You just got to learn from it. And again, I'm, I'm loath to say it, but it wasn't so long ago we couldn't string together any sort of unbeaten or winning run. But I know it's it's a team transformed, and you think oh, I'm intrigued to see what happens over the next two or three months. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was the importance of that win against Arsenal was it keeps the season alive. Mm. For, you know, I always remember as a as a kid when I would judge a Villa season, it was to keep it alive as long as possible. So if you go out the cups, suddenly it's looking a bit dodgy. And if you go out the FA Cup and you're just middling around in 12th or 13th place, your season's over in January, essentially. But if you're still with in touching distance of Europe, your season's still alive. So that win against Arsenal was, you know, A, there's a four-point gap between Villa and Villa in ninth and Arsenal in 10th. But also Villa are still, you know, with a game, game in hand or two games in hand on some teams. They can still reach those European spots. So it is very much alive. And that was the big thing. It's still game on. If we can find some consistency, if we do go on a run of, you know, four or five games, then we're right amongst it. Absolutely. I mean, and people have talked, you know, they've, they've used the context line, but in terms of a wider context, you look at the rest of the league over the, the weekend in the last sort of two, three weeks, and you've seen Man City are pretty much starting to sprint for home already. They look imperious, to be frank, and they are going to win the league. But Man United have dropped bad points at home. Liverpool's home form is shocking. You look at sort of Spurs, who look very inconsistent. Everton are sort of good one day and bad they're kind of similar to ourselves there's so many teams who you think everyone's kind of not quite at 100% so on your day if you if you can get everything locked in and focused over a period of as you said maybe four or five games or more it, the opportunities are there now Right. Uh, well, we will talk about uh, the current situation. Uh, this is just over half time in a in a patron extra show, uh, a half term report. So uh, good win. Good to see the eleventh clean sheet. And uh, the season's alive, so uh, still smiles on our faces. Right, before we uh, leave you, let's uh, just have a swift underrated or overrated. The man, the subject under the microscope uh, this week is... uh, Somebody who uh, probably uh, Villa fans have long forgotten about, even though it was recent history. Mr. Philippe Senderos, the immense Swiss international. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, how far we've come. Who some, somehow he played <laughs> in three World Cups. Somehow, once Villa stepped out onto the pitch with a centre-back partnership of Senderos and Baker. <laughs> I think oh, this is a ma- this- <laughs> head, The head injury days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Any man kept out of the first team by Lescott and Richards. Well, well, it's not well. a good look. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Sendros and uh, Baker were just—they were—they were ahead of their time. They—they they wanted the concussion rule, you know, five, six years ago. If if there were a centre half pairing pairing that could be defined as agricultural, they they would certainly meet the billing. Kamikaze. Anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> why, why, why did we sign Sendros? Because he was free. <laughs> Frankly, yeah, we went from what young and hung- hungry to what the <laughs> fuck were we saying rather than yeah, yeah, it was one of it was one of Paul Lambert's signings, wasn't it? From Valencia, yeah, well, he was on a free from Valencia. He'd been released, hadn't he? But it, was, it looked good in patches at Arsenal. I think hadn't he gone? He then gone to Fulham and looked reasonable. I think he, I think he had little spells at AC Milan and Everton, and then found himself in Spain and, and came back to England. And it, at the time, it was sort of branded as potentially a bit of a coup by Villa. For a freebie, yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, any budding footballers out there, if you can get a, like, gap year and try to get in the AC Milan Academy or something, then you can put AC Milan on your CV. <laughs> I, think you need, I think you need to get an agent do a, like he does. Yeah, his agent's brilliant. Get You know, just walk past the Valencia ground, then you can put that on your CV as well. I'd like to see the highlights reel they fucking show of him, wouldn't you? I mean, where, where is this footage? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it helps you when it comes to like desperate clubs needing some backup here and there, free transfer market. You just get a couple of names on your CV and you're in every time. Pay packet. I mean, the 2014-15 season has to be up there in terms of if if you're a Villa fan in that period, you have come through watching some of the foulest excuse for football and footballers. <laughs> The it's, biggest festering turf. If, if it were a computer game or a, or a console, you would get some sort of achievement award and a badge, and people would look at you, look upon you as a as a true a true survivor, survivor. of the dystopian nightmare <laughs> <laughs> that was watching football under Paul Lambert. Yeah, how many months did we have a goal of the month, or we just had a blank screen? I mean, that was a running joke, wasn't it? For, <laughs> it's br- it was yeah. a good joke. Yeah, it was a running joke. And somehow we still got to a cup final that year. Through Nothing to do with Sandros. Nothing <laughs> no. to do with Sandros. So let's, <laughs> let's peg it back to Sandros. Uh, didn't play many games in the end. Uh, uh, injury, persistent mm. injury problems, actually. And he, he, he just went AWOL at one stage, yeah. I seem to remember. Yeah, I remember Lambert kicked up a fuss, didn't he, at one point, um, where he, he had one injury at Villa. Villa let him go off on international duty and he came back with a worse yes. injury. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we're jumping around here, but we did at one stage, I think it was at the start of the season, and I think uh, the partnership was with Baker. When You remember when Villa won three of their first four games and Lambert got a new contract, one of the biggest mistakes. Uh, we won at Anfield and he got a new contract. It's the age-old thing. Gabby got the same, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he get a new contract that year as well for the same but thing? That was, but Sen- Sendros was playing in that team, was he not? Yeah, and you're yeah. thinking, oh, this actually might Wasn't there a really contentious work. thing in that win as well, didn't that Sendros was involved in where... I believe he brought someone down who was through on goal and it wasn't it wasn't given. these are the days before VAR. <laughs> it was a contentious But anyway, so injury curtailed that uh you thought he might have a bit of a run there, but then injury got him and also, he, he kind of struggled to get games, didn't he? Strangely, through that period, we as much as bad as we were, we actually had loads of options in all areas. We had this bloated squad of players, like we had Vlara, Kore, Kieran Clark, Baker, who were ended up None all of ahead whom of him in the defend. pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Charlatans. 
That's before then, we had Alan Button playing centre back. Alice Sokol got up and down Lest we forget Thiago Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what what happened? David's got PTSD now <laughs> over this period of his. <laughs> <laughs> he's just blocked it out. Just just nip the Sendros in the bud. I think his claim to fame, the ultimate thing that happened to him, was when the singer Amy MacDonald claimed she's a Rangers uh, fan and he, he had a spell at Rangers. Was that after us? Yes. Yeah. After after Villa played at Rangers, and she labelled him. I think this was just in an interview. Labelled him one of the worst footballers <laughs> ever. <laughs> Be- better than that was in an interview with a Swiss newspaper. So she dissed him. <laughs> She'd sort him out. <laughs> yeah, it's harsh, isn't it? Fair play to her. I mean, I'm not a big fan of her music. It's a bit middle of the road, but fair play to her attitude. In uh, you know, when you're in a different country, it's always this small time thing that happens. They'll always have you ever been to Switzerland? Uh, oh, you support Rangers. Oh, do you, you like uh, Senderos? <laughs> That was a hard no, wasn't it? They pointed out to Amy that Sendros was once regarded as one of the brightest talents in Switzerland because uh, you know he's, he obviously made the national team as well. And McDonnell replied, he certainly didn't develop well then. <laughs> <laughs> and fair play to her because most people just lie. I hope Sendros was like a huge Amy McDonald fan until that moment. <laughs> <laughs> He was like behind a screen and they primed her for the question. He was going to the concert that night until that point. I mean, whatever Amy MacDonald said, it was uh, William Gallas that uh, <laughs> said the bigger words. Yeah, yeah. If Gallas had been interviewed um, a few years ago and he said, uh, you know, I saw him, this was obviously when Gallas was at um, Arsenal, he said he would, uh, he'd mentally crumble before big games, following it up by saying, I, I saw him against Chelsea, against Didier Drogba, where he would genuinely panic like he was going through his match before playing it. And unfortunately, when you saw him on the pitch, he lost his playing abilities. He didn't play well. I mean, I, I can take a lot from that last sentence. That unfortunately, when we saw him on the pitch, he'd lost his playing abilities and he didn't play well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gallas clearly Done. speaks the truth. And that mentally crumble uh, is, a, is a lovely phrase that should, uh, should So that uh, brings us uh, to the question that I'm sure everybody's asking who's listening to the show. Where is Philip Sendros <laughs> now? Well, he's um, he must be using that amazing agent of his. He's got a job as a, as a sporting director at his boyhood club of Servette in Geneva. Fucking hell, he's he's amazing. This guy, yeah. I don't know how he he's, he's already used his ex Arsenal links to sign Gail Clichy on a free. Uh, so, yeah, right. Bit of backhander going on there. Clichy's after a Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, Clichy's after a Swiss banker. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> not only not only has uh, Sendros got a good agent, he's also got a good lawyer as well, Phil. So watch it. <laughs> It's all right, he'll he'll mentally crumble in court, it'll be fine. Mm. He won't turn up. (laughs) Uh, Philip Sendros, Philip Sendros, underrated or overrated? Overrated all day long. Yeah, probably one of the most easy overrateds we've done, I think. Phil? To be such a youth talent, to just end up like he did, he has to be overrated. Yeah, as uh, Amy MacDonald said, he certainly didn't develop well. (laughs) He's the Amy MacDonald of the footballing world. Philip Sendros's uh, agent, overrated or underrated? Monumentally underrated. underrated. What a a (laughs) professional model professional he is. Uh, What a guy. (laughs) What's his name? Jürgen Lang. He should be uh, getting Sendros's agent at the club as one of our uh, deal breakers. I don't don't know if Johan would be smiling, though. No. Yeah. Under his mask. Right, anyway, that's uh, enough of that. Uh, It just didn't work out for Sandros at Villa. 
or indeed anywhere. He still played for his national team, though, so uh, you know, counts as a good career, I suppose. And played in three World Cups as well. So it was well, he was in the squad. Bad career for yeah, yeah, he got a few games here and there, though. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please do uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. 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 days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com want truly hydrated skin meet body care breakthrough hyaluronic body serum It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code SUMMER. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.